Welcome back to Homestuck Made This World, the show about critical analysis and contextualization of the webcomic Homestuck. Uh, I'm Michael, and with me as usual is my co-host Cameron. Yep. <laughs> I got uh, a, uh, I, I'm going to change up our format today. Okay. I didn't tell you anything about this. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm doing the summary today. Oh, all right. All right. You ready? Yeah. <clears throat> so this is this is uh, episode 7-1. This begins what? What part of Homestuck are we on? Uh, this begins Act 6. Okay. All right. Here we go. Okay. I, I, I prepared this a little while ago, and I've totally... You don't know anything about this. This is uh-huh. not a bit. I have, I have... I wrote this last night. Okay. Here I go. <clears throat> the beginning of Act 6. Yo, pretty ladies around the world. Got a weird thing to show you, so tell all the boys and girls. Tell your brother, your sister, and your mama too, because they're about to go down, and you know just what to do. Wave your hands in the air like you don't care. Glide by the people as they look and stare. Do your dance. Do your dance. Do your dance. Quick, ma. Come on, baby. Tell me what's the word. Word up. Uh, okay. And so then, um, uh, what's what's the what's the little uh, the new little new lady? Oh, oh, Jane. Yes, Jane. So mm-hmm. Jane. This is Jane now. Yeah. Everybody say when you hear the call, you got to get it underway. Word up. What's the code word? No matter what you say, it you know that you'll be heard. Okay. Okay. That's it. That's the yeah. summary for this episode. So, uh, what are your thoughts about Homestuck? Uh, as it goes into Act 6, Michael. I'm the host now. Well, uh, I like how lighthearted it is compared to what's come before. Right. Pretty pretty big change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all the boys and girls. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's more inclusive now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. That's highlighted from the beginning in Act 6. It's a kind of an inversion of Act 1. Right. It it uh, uh, kind of feels like Act 6 is a revision of the draft that was the first five acts. Mm-hmm. And we get all these kind of evocative words, like the people. Mm-hmm. Right? And like, what could that be, right? And that's, that's you know, kind of typical uh, hussy maneuver, right, of giving us a little bit and then it not really having any context until later when it becomes plot critical. Right. Like, which people, in what time mm-hmm. frame, in what universe? Uh, yeah, classic hussy maneuver, mm-hmm. as you say. And what's the code word? Mm-hmm. 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 Right, well, uh, word up. We know We know what the code word is. Right. You know, it's and, like it's one of those things where it's revealed in the moment of its mystery. Right. And it's revealed so obviously that you don't even expect it. Right. It's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, a puzzle box that solves itself, but then you keep trying to solve it. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't think that the uh, the yard would be a literal yard, mm-hmm. but it was <laughs> right. Word yeah. up is the code word, but you would never think that. Oh, golly. Listeners, as I turn to them and turn my metal chair backwards <laughs> uh, as I as I straddle it and whip my hat around backwards. This is what we call over analysis. <laughs> <laughs> AKA overreading. Mm-hmm. AKA the 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 mind gone wild. Don't let it happen to you. <laughs> and that's our take on Act Six. <laughs> the end. We're done. Good Thanks for listening Great to the show, end. everyone. <laughs> Epilogues coming next episode. <laughs> oh golly. Uh yeah. <laughs> So yep. this is this is the beginning of Act Six, Episode Seven, mm-hmm. Part One. Yep. Uh, any any other thoughts? 
uh, about this bit that I did at the beginning? About this bit or about Act 6? I don't know. Like, No, just... I think you probably actually do need to do the real summary. Okay. <laughs> so that we can actually talk about anything. <laughs> um, because it is both... Uh, delightfully uncomplicated compared mm-hmm. to a lot of what we've read recently. Uh, but also too complicated. Yeah. It's somehow both. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I had both feelings. I had I had both the feeling of, wow, this is going pretty quick. And during the same reading, thinking, ah, I wish I was doing something else right now. <laughs> it's just it, so, I'm, I'm so bogged down in what's happening on this page. <laughs> writing the summary is also like very much that feeling of this is so much simpler and somehow also just as complicated simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's a, it's a, a, a beautiful needle to thread. Mm-hmm. I right. guess <laughs> if you like complication and or simplicity somehow simultaneously. <laughs> uh, it's like it's like a, it's like an iPhone. Okay. Homestuck is like an iPhone, uh-huh. right? On the surface, very uncomplicated, right? All this quote-unquote naturalistic design. You know, you swipe, you poke, you do all that kind of stuff, right? But on the inside, all kinds of weird shit going on that you can't explain. <laughs> How does it work? How does it work? I don't know. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, <clears throat> summary for the uh, start of Act 6. Homestuck's trademark red curtains tint an ominous green before rising on Act 6. It's a beautiful day on Earth where human society still exists, probably forever. Autumnal cascades of leaves fall in a suburban neighborhood north of Seattle. A striking house hides unnerving science experiments in upstate New York. A billboard in Texas advertises Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson in the latest Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff film. A set of frog ruins stand next to an active volcano on a remote Pacific island. This is all displayed on a computer monitor to an unseen figure who reaches out with one gray hand to hit the keyboard and begin Homestuck. Homestuck begins, then, on November 11th, 2011. A young woman named Jane Crocker stands in her bedroom. She is 15 and a half years old, and today she is eager to receive alpha access to a new video game called Spurb, which is being developed by her favorite multinational corporation, to which she is also the presumptive heir. I mean, of course, the Betty Crocker Company, which, in addition to baked goods, has had a hand in numerous endeavors, from creating all sorts of experimental digital and augmented reality technologies that definitely are not mind control devices, as well as colonizing Mars and appointing Guy Fieri to the Supreme Court. Jane is very excited, as 111111 is also rumored to be a big rebranding initiative by Crocker Corp. Yet, currently, she is confined to her room by her stern dad because of one of the many assassination attempts against her as a high-powered corporate heiress. Jane is contacted by her friend Jake English, an adventurous young man who loves guns, adventure, and bad movies, and on whom Jane has a massive crush. She tells Jake she had a strange dream about him the night before, but does not have time to get into it now. Crocker Corp's rebranding hits, and the company's trademark red spoon is recast as an ominous trident. Jane is contacted by Uranian Umbra, or UU, a friendly and helpful but mysterious individual who types in gray, claims to be an alien from another universe, and is a font of knowledge about the game, which she says she is also preparing to play in a different session. 
She promises Jane and all her friends that they are about to embark on an incredible adventure that will heal a massive wound in reality with the arrival of four heroes of legend. Another friend, a fun-loving, sassy party girl the Something Awful Thread calls Kid Mom, then chimes in. Kid Mom is anxious that Jane is so eager to play a game devised by the head of Crocker Corp, the so-called Batter Witch, a malevolent individual Kid Mom loathes, and whom Jane believes to be merely an urban legend. Otherwise, her great-great-grandmother, the founder of the company, would be almost 200 years old. Jane is distracted when she sees she has mail and decides to sneak out and claim it. Meanwhile, Jake prepares to put the finishing touches on the robotic bunny he has been building to send to the woman he calls his grandmother through a process he understands as time travel. He calls the bunny Terry Kaiser, after the guy who played Bernie in Weekend at Bernie's. Terry needs a chunk of uranium to power him, but Jake is fresh out. Yu Yu, who's been helping Jake build the bunny, talks this over with him, with her explaining that Jake's grandma is indeed in the past, but also in a separate universe. Otherwise, Yu Yu tries to avoid what she calls causal spoilers. For help with the bunny, Jake goes to his friend, a young man the Something Awful thread calls Kid Bro. Kid Bro is a cool and aloof robotics expert, and Jake has a whole conversation with him before realizing this isn't Kid Bro at all, but the self-aware chatbot autoresponder that Kid Bro programmed years ago. The real Kid Bro is busy, and the autoresponder is mostly unhelpful, but it points out that Kid Bro helped Jake assemble a robot sparring partner that runs on uranium and could be repurposed if bested in combat. Jane heads downstairs, where her cornball comedian grandfather's taxidermied body stands by the fireplace, and finally tells Jake about the scene from her dream. She was flying over a golden city, while a funeral procession of strange white figures mourned the death of their page and the loss of their hope. When Jane got to the head of the procession and saw the corpse they were bearing, she realized it was none other than Jake and a pair of golden pajamas. The kids agree this dream was rather silly. Jake heads out of the crumbling ruins of his house, where he has lived in total solitude since the death of his grandmother, to the wild and overgrown island he calls home. It is swarming with dangerous alien wildlife from Alternia. Kid Mom messages him to vent about Jane not believing her regarding the Batter Witch an idea Jake is more comfortable with. It becomes awkwardly clear to everyone that Kid Mom also sort of has a crush on Jake, though she lays off the gas out of respect for Jane. Jane herself has asked Kid Mom why she doesn't mack on Kid Bro, which Kid Mom thinks is laughable for reasons Jane does not understand. Anyway, Jake is attacked by a giant Alternian sea goat, which nearly kills him, but it is quickly dispatched by the Brobot that Kid Bro designed for him. Jane, desperate to get out of the house, also activates a robot bunny bodyguard Kid Bro built for her, named Little Sebastian. Kid Bro assures her that either directly or through robot intermediaries, he will make sure everything today, including the upcoming game session, will go according to plan. With Little Seb's help, Jane sneaks outside, grabs the mail, and triggers a bomb that explodes in a giant ball of flame. Act 6, Act 1 ends. Andrew Hussey, who is now also a robot, mentions there are five more Act 6 acts to go, and a lot of work ahead. After being reminded by the reader that all of the other characters from pre-Act 6 aren't dead yet, the Hussey bot rushes back to their mansion's study, where Jade's battleship is still passing between the two fourth walls. Hussey can't bring themselves to fuck with them, however, and instead just levels up John and Jade, so they can finally speak to each other directly without the aid of chat clients. 
Act 6, Intermission 1, begins as John and Jade talk about their situation. It turns out that by exiting a session, Jade has lost direct contact with her first Guardian teleportation powers, which draw from the green sun, and even though they are moving at light speed, it will take them a whole three years to reach the new session, where they will meet Rose, Dave, and the remaining trolls. Luckily, they have Dave Sprite and the populations of all the planets to keep them company, and Jade helps John send the Meteor crew a message written on the poster for 1998's Armageddon, a film covered in Homestuck Made This World bonus episodes available at patreon.com slash rangetouch. Otherwise, the Meteor Gang find themselves in much the same situation, as Rose uses her god-tier Seer of Light powers to estimate that it will take them approximately three years to travel to the new session from the furthest ring. Carcat is apoplectic at the idea of all the sloppy human troll makeouts John's message rightly alleges will probably occur in the meantime, and for some reason Gamzee scampers off with one of Solix's corpses. Aradia and the final remaining alive Solix choose to remain in the furthest ring, using their telekinesis to blast the meteor toward the new session. Before that happens, the crew is also joined by a dying wayward vagabond, who is teleported to the scene by PM before she sets off in pursuit of a fleeing Jack Noir. As she chases him from the destroyed troll session into the furthest ring, Act 6, Intermission 1 ends, and we are treated to a series of visions from the clouds of Skya. Green curtains hanging in the midst of a thunderstorm, an army of Crocker Corp combat drones, Kid Bro drawing his katana, Kid Mom breaking a fenestrated wall, a chess game in perpetual stalemate, Jake watching as the volcano by his house erupts, and all of these things too are glimpsed by Jane Crocker's dream self, which stands awake and confused at the window of her tower on Prospect. Yep. A lot of, a lot of ground covered. A lot of stuff happening. A lot of mm-hmm. a lot of stuff where you got to be like, "What's going on in that universe? Is that this universe? Mm-hmm. Did that count over there? <laughs> Who's part of what session matters for this?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, uh, just uh, bones to throw to the <laughs> to the fans, right? Like like a whole bucket of chum. You're just throwing into the shark's nest that is the yeah. fandom. Yeah, for them I to figure out. I'm sure there's so many posts. Oh, so many. Like, uh, uh, I read so many posts, and I think for the first time in a good long time, I mean, it, it, it's actually kind of remarkable how much the quality. You thought too many posts. <laughs> well, you don't think that often, but but this one time you thought yeah, too many posts. Too many posts. I'm like we could we could use fewer posts. No. Um. I, let me say I'm going to say behind the curtain. I'm going to interrupt you one more okay. time to, to go behind the curtain. <laughs> Because uh, we were, go- you know, normally right, we've mentioned this a few times. Normally we rec- we record a couple episodes at a whack, mm-hmm. and uh, a couple weeks ago you said, "Hey, I think for these next few, we're gonna have to record one at a time because there's just too many posts. I can't read, <laughs> I can't read two episode, two part episodes worth of posts mm-hmm. at a time. That is true. Uh, yeah, and so that's that's I didn't go and look or anything, but that sounds like a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, uh, the the posting is extremely high. I mean, uh, I, I was going to mention this in the next part episode because that's technically when it happens. But like mm. in terms of how much attention uh, Homestuck is getting, MSPA is getting in general, uh, the Project Wonderful ads, which were going for like, what was it, $130, $150 during Cascade. Um, during this chunk of reading, during these like, we're, we're going from basically like November to, and over this episode and the next, we're going from like November to February 
uh, so mm -hmm. 2011 to 2012, the Project Wonderful price for ads on the webpage goes up to nearly $500. So, Whoa, like, wow. Yes. Like, lots of, lots of traffic, lots of people bidding on uh, ad space on, on MSPA. So, uh, a lot of attention and a lot of posts. And sort of remarkably, uh, what I noticed in reading posts for this uh, set of, of readings was how much reverting to the beginning of the comic truly reverted the posting style to the beginning of the comic in that hmm. uh, people are like, you know, Jane shows up uh, and it's, you know, clearly it's just like a, a an iteration, right, of John's introduction on the first page of the comic. And people are immediately like waiting for the Silidex gags, right? Waiting for uh, Jane to go downstairs and have like her showdown with her guardian, with her dad, because they also want to know, is it is it the same dad? Are we going to get to see dad again? Oh, I can't wait until Jane gets her Showtime remix. Um, things that actually don't end up really happening, uh, mm -hmm. but it just like immediately people are uh, wondering about when are the game mechanics going to be introduced and how is how are how are these characters going to react to it and that sort of thing um you know it's 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 really remarkable like i said how how much yeah. just like moving back moves everything back yeah form overwhelms content mm -hmm. in a very real way here right like uh, it, it seems like the thing the thing that is driving the beginning of this of of act 6 right is that the form the form tells you where we're going to go Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's like, uh, writing a waltz, right? Like the, the, a waltz has a particular time to it. It, you know, it has a particular expectation of the way that the kind of pieces of a waltz move and we're going to go that way, right? Like the individual, you know, notes might be different here, but, uh, you know, form overwhelmingly determines what's going to happen. And so I'm not shocked to hear that people are like, yay, the stuff that we <laughs> like already, the stuff that already <laughs> happened. Uh, which is fascinating, right? I, you know, is there a, well, I, I guess we'll, we'll probably talk about it in the next part episode, but there is a, uh, are people like, yay, Homestuck's back to the good stuff? I guess that's what I'm, what I'm trying to ask here. Um, um, no, that's not exactly how I would say the the sentiment is being couched. A lot of it is like, got it. a lot of it really is like, oh, I can't wait to see these new characters do the things I recognize. I would say is, is kind of the sentiment. Uh, and there right. are, uh, there are people who are like, Oh my God, I can't do this again. <laughs> I, yeah, that's where I would be. <laughs> like the tedium of this is, I was like, Oh no. And I, I was like, okay, come on. Like we, we, the, the hussy, you gotta buck the trend, right? Like you, you have the form can't, has to be detourned at some place, right? Like <laughs> it has to do something else. And we get a pretty far in before it does something else. And I was like, oof. Okay, fine. I guess I'll, oh, yeah, you got you got a Silidex, huh? Don't you? Okay, right. All right. You got, all right, Betty Crocker, here we go. <laughs> the fucking Betty Crocker stuff. And I can't, like, the it would be a struggle to, like, okay, wow, Cascade happened, all this big plot stuff. Here we are. We're going to redo, basically, the beginning of this comic with a difference, you know, repetition with a difference. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we're going to do it for three months. Yeah. All right. Because what we read for this part is, that's like three months or so, right? Mm -hmm. two, two months, three months. Mm -hmm. And it moves slow. Uh, it moves slow yeah. reading it, you know, archivally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, 
the thing to say, I mean, like we kind of just like jump straight into Act Six with no real scaffolding or framing, um, right? Which is kind of what Good. it was like to read it. <laughs> like that's what it was like to read it serially. Uh, it was uh-huh. just it was just being like, well, what could this possibly be? Um, and this is what it was. It's the never ending story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, now that we have the ur text in our head, uh, it's pretty clear. It's the yeah. never-ending story. Uh, but uh, what this, uh, what, what our advantage, and I can, uh, you know, maybe put a, you know, we already know that Act 6 in total is as long as everything in the comic up to this point. Like, there's just no way, like, mm-hmm. there was no way we could have known that in uh, November of 2011. We, we could not have known that that's how it was going to work out, even though it had been floated as a joke multiple times in various posts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there was no way we could have just been, like, expecting this and expecting it sincerely. Uh, but there are, I guess, uh, a couple of other things to say about like Act Six in general and how it, uh, I guess, interfaces with the Homestuck fandom and how it's sort of thought about and talked about. And uh, the thing to say up front is that I think Act Six is really where a lot of people who have been reading the comic up to this point fall off. Um, Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't have like numbers or statistics there, um, but I have met so many people who are just like, yeah, I stopped reading sometime in Act 6. <laughs> like, that's just that's just a thing. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there are also people who are of the much stronger opinion that Act 6 is what ruins the comic, that Act 6 is straight up bad. Now, complementary to that are people who find Act 6 to be kind of the heart and soul of the comic. Um, And I think it is probably worth saying that many people who argue that Act 6 ruins the comic, because we're going to start seeing this uh, discussion actually really quite soon, um, uh, people who think Act 6 ruins the comic are also people who think it it specifically gets ruined because uh, the... Well, as we used to used to say, or not we really, you know, hugest possible scarecrows on we here. Uh, people, we people used to say SJWs got to hussy. Ah, I see. Uh huh. Um, like that's not you know, I don't want to like reveal too much about like where we go from here. Uh, but uh, in this reading already, we have discussions in the fandom about queerness and queer characters. Uh, and like what is happening when a queer coded character shows up in fiction and stuff, because textually the comic is already starting to move more in that direction. Um, and I'm not saying that, uh, other critiques of act six, uh, aren't necessarily bound up in this, what we're talking about here with kind of like the, the tedium and the pacing and so on. Um, but there is like a, a strong, I think, contingent of Act 6 haters who are specifically haters for like the, the political implications or sort of like the, the cultural implications or, or uh, perspectives that Act 6 is going to take. Um, so we're, we're mm. going to see some of that. Uh, and then also, uh, like I just and this is like my personal feeling on Act 6. This whole thing is so freaking weird. Like just tonally, it just like I, I mentioned this last time when I was talking about, you know, the thing that made me really interested is just was the 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 conceit of this is now the story of John Egbert's grandma. Um, and then getting yeah. getting into this uh into Act Six in and realizing that like Jane like Jane as a character 
is so bizarre. I don't mean she's bad. I actually really like her, but I mean like the the construction of her, right? The the seams of this character are so visible because she is straight up like, what if a grandma was a 15 and a half year old girl in 2011? Yeah, that is the that is the question. And she loved mystery novels and she didn't swear. Yes, she doesn't swear. Uh, she's kind of a fuddy-duddy. She loves baking. <laughs> um, like she's uh, uh, let me just uh, read her her little intro thing, because I think this is um, this is interesting. This is what it says. This is her, you know, introduction on page 4117. Your name is Jane. As was previously mentioned, you are poised for an elite opportunity to test the Spurb Alpha. It is so elite, in fact, you are probably the only of your kind invited to playtest. Though you guess that probably comes with the territory of being the heiress apparent to a baked goods empire. You don't suppose it hurts that you are said empire's number one fangirl, either. It should come as no surprise that uh, you enjoy baking, but you also adore reading detective stories. You fancy yourself a skilled prankstress, if by no measure other than lineage, though at times you feel it's tough to fill these shoes when you are surrounded by jokers. Seriously, the shenanigans perpetrated by your pals make your old school japes feel kind of pedestrian sometimes, but oh well. You love them all anyway. You once dabbled in amateur botany, but found it too frustrating because your vegetables kept disap- Actually, you know what? You don't want to talk about it. You love situation comedies whilst holding particular affection for mustachioed funnymen. You know, your Foxworthies, your Funkes, your Swansons, but not necessarily your Gallagher per se because you have to draw the fucking line somewhere um so she's this 15 and a half year old girl who is like has various like uh uh like grandma signifiers love of baking love of mysteries and she is like per like particularly fixated on like extremely like middle of the road white comedians with mustaches yeah well not even that but like Jeff Foxworthy has not. If this this is 2011 when uh-huh. this comes out, Jeff Foxworthy has not been famous for a decade at that point, <laughs> right? Like, well, no, you know what? I say that, but also uh, the what you know the 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 four good old boys. I guess that was still like Bill Ingvall has. Oh a, yeah, yeah, yeah. The blue collar. <laughs> He's comedy got a TV tour. show. With, yeah, yeah. The blue collar comedy tour. Right. Mm-hmm. I was thinking in my mind. I was like, how did they get? How did they rip off Kings of Comedy? <laughs> I was like, how did, would how might four white guys, yes. right, like, did you know change that that title in order to make it work? And I couldn't do it. I was like, Cowboys of Comedy? No, they're not cowboys. They're blue collar. <laughs> Hold on, but yeah, the blue collar. Co- so maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe this is actually maybe during the the Fox War of the Zons, <laughs> um, you know, uh, that happened alongside uh, Larry the Cable Guy. Larry, Larry, the man, uh, what fixed the cable? Mm-hmm. Uh, my my section that uh, where like she clicked for me because I think that's right. I think that Jane also, good God, these names. Uh, I get it, but what a nightmare! In in, in, in the sense that it is so close to Jade, or yes, uh huh, yes, we have so many four letter J names now. Mm-hmm. It's awful. It is awful to me. <laughs> But uh, the thing that made made her like click for me, you know, because it, it's really interesting. 
Hussey is trying to keep the voice of John while stacking all these other things on top of it, right? Mm -hmm. Because these characters have, I don't know, a perspective of their other, you know, I guess, children. No, great. What? Who cares? Uh, The other ones. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The previous universe kids, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so it starts on at the end of 4156, this long chat log. Uh, And uh, she says, oh, 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 oh. The thing, the flappy thing, and it goes to the next thing. The flappy swingy doodad, the arm dealy, the dealy, the dealy, <laughs> the god darn red swingy flapper lever arm thingamabob, whatever it's called, on the mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> and that to me, I was like, okay, you're like John. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, you at your core are a little bit of a weirdo uh, who uh, gets flustered. You know, you're like a half a car cat. And, uh, and, but you're really excited about things in the world. And then the things in the world that you're interested in are just weird, mm-hmm. much like John, right? Right. You're, you're overexcited about a bunch of random shit, it seems like. <laughs> um, and so that kind of solved the character for me in the sense of like, oh, okay, I get your deal. Mm-hmm. Well, and she also, like, she also laughs like a uh, Nana Sprite. Right. She, she has the hoo 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 laugh. which is again it's so funny because like uh, you you meet nana sprite and you're like okay she's doing the who 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 thing is that because of the the harlequin stuff right is that some sort of element of the Mm -hmm. harlequinian uh uh thing that got thrown into the colonel sprite uh is that just because she's like a wily grandma and it turns out like no this is this is a thing that is a part of this person even when they are a teenager it's a grandma laugh that you have when you're 15 (laughs) yeah right and so i mean i guess part of the thing is right these are not in their construction initially, right? They're not characters, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, in the way that we think of like, uh, you know, a character with like a couple dimensions of like thoughts and feelings and interiority, all that kind of stuff, right? What, what we've talked about in terms of like one, two, and three dimensional characters in the past on the show. The, these characters begin or these these objects, right? I mean, they are characters, but they uh, they begin from the perspective of. We, you know, we have X elements that have to be combined in this thing. Mm -hmm. I guess we'll just see how that works. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? So like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, mom teen. What's it? Yeah. Kid mom. Kid mom. Uh, I mean, that's even worse in a lot of ways, (laughs) right? Like that, like she is purely just a bunch of random shit piled together, right? She's a 15-year-old who's drunk all the time mm-hmm. and is, like, lightly horny all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's, like, the deal with her. Yeah. And that's it? Her mom is an author? These are all the only things we know about mom from the previous world, right? Very lightly drawn figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that has to, like, be a thing that supports a character. Right. And, and one of the ways we get there is by... Uh, making like she has text speak and is constantly making typos because she's drunk. Uh, one of the things that gets said in the something awful thread uh, is like, oh, my God, she's the girl from the IDK, my BFF Jill commercial. Do you remember that, folks? Do you remember when that was a joke? <laughs> I didn't until now. Yeah. I'm I'm having a. It's like uh, you know you got to come back. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm being drawn back to to a deeper past. That other is, people, uh, other people get this. Other people are like, oh my god, she's Kesha. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, I guess right. Yeah, 
which is kind and of i mean that is a defining archetype of the time but also for an age group that is not 15 years old right it's it's i think that's mostly kind of a joking uh reference to uh kesha stuck which was a fan adventure that was about kesha lady wow. gaga uh uh, Marina from Marina in the Diamonds and someone else I don't remember who but they were they're them Marina playing Marina from Marina in the Diamonds yeah who in the who who would put all of those people on the same where's Rihanna I, I it's a great question <laughs> I don't remember maybe where's, I don't where's re- Madonna where's literally anyone but Marina from Marina <laughs> and the Diamond this is not I'm so sorry Marina if you're listening this is not to disparage you in any way but that those are not even remotely where's Beyonce <laughs> right like the 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 gap there is d- astonishing okay, I'm gonna do this live on air offensive now to Let, let's look up let's look I'm looking up Kesha stuck let's see who if Please it's still it. around and who is in it I kind of um, wish that you uh, invented Marina from like you had uh, constructed this from nothing. <laughs> no, let's see. Oh my god. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, Kesha Stuck mm-hmm. is still up. Oh, these are <laughs> your name is Kesha. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. We're not getting a. Oh my god, I have to click through so many pages. But we just start with Kesha. Um, <laughs> yeah, one would assume since yeah. it's called Kesha Stuck. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Real detour if you start with someone else. <laughs> well, that would be the homestuck way of it, wouldn't it? Well, it, well, it's kind of like uh, what's that children's book? There's a monster on at the end of this book. Yes, <laughs> it would be like that. <laughs> um, yeah, she and several. This is what TV trope says. She and several other singers. Oh, I was just hoping that there was like a list of characters that I would not. Why is this on TV tropes? Is ev- oh god, is ev- Skrillex is in it. Oh, okay, that's fine. What what a particular uh-huh. artifact on the internet at a very particular moment. <laughs> My God. Mm. Yeah, Marina's there, definitely. Oh, Marina uh, for Marina and the Diamonds. That's going to... I'm going to start... Next time I make a Baldur's Gate party. Six party member, <laughs> Marina for Marina and the Diamonds. <laughs> There's just so much Kesha stuck fan art still on Tumblr. My God. Um, what a detour. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so anyhow, what the hell were we talking about? Uh, we're talking about all these weird little nerds. So, so. Oh, that's right. The characters. Um, Jake is the same way. Like, yeah. what if you took the adventure gentleman archetype, like aged him down to a fifteen-year-old, and there you go, and put him on an island with a bunch of loose eye? Yes. Like the the uh, you, you know, and again, this is like. Uh, Every question I have is not a question of like, oh, this is bad, but is a question uh, that is that is asked knowing that the answer is the fandom will eat it up because mm-hmm. the working through what the hell is happening here is the work of the fandom. That is the game, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so everything I'm about to say, I know the answer to it, but sitting and reading the thing, I was just like. It's 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 like a weird greatest hits of what we've seen so far, which I guess is like how these new universes work. Like I get it because they're this weird replication from the ancestor stuff that we learned about. But mm-hmm. good God, it's I don't know. It's not not particularly fun to read. Um, uh, I I I like the chat logs in here way more than I liked the revelation of information about this new universe. Um, until mm-hmm. we get to. 
Prospect and Purpo. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, wait. we're kicking into high gear. This is the good stuff. Oh, okay. All right. So what, wait, what made Prospect and Purpo high gear? Well, is that you? in the next partisode? Well, we the only glimpses we get of Prospect in this partisode are uh, Jane's dream mm-hmm. and oh, then right. uh, the end where she's standing in the bedroom. No, let's save it. I'll talk about it last time. Okay. But yeah, so I would say in this right. partisode, nothing particularly. I, I do like the... Uh, okay, well, let's... let's Let's go through these characters really quick. We've talked quite a bit about Jane. Mm-hmm. Uh, got the whole Betty Crocker thing going on. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Uh, an important thing for me to to lay out, mm-hmm. uh, because this is one of the themes that I've continued to hit, is that uh, the readership doesn't name any of these characters. Right. The only two who get named here are Jane and Jake. Uh, but when we get these introductions, as we've gotten them before, uh, and they're formally, you know, precisely the same, uh, and then we get the command to enter the name, and every time the reader tries to enter the name, the reader, quote-unquote, right, because this is uh, uh, part of the fiction now, um, every time the reader tries to enter the name, it's like, hold up, like, uh, her name was already entered on her placronym on her 13th birthday, which is funny because <laughs> it's like, yeah, on your 13th birthday in this world, you get named. Um, you can't override it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, the, we get to see the placronym with their name already in it. And it said like, you know, oh, they, they, these characters have already been named for two and a half years. So there's a further, uh, narrowing of the window of the actual readership's influence, mm-hmm. uh, even more so than there was before. Whereas, you know, when we, when we met the trolls, that was primarily what people got to do was name the trolls. Mm-hmm. Like that was the buy-in here. So we lose that in act six when we start with these new characters. And that's, um, I think that's an important thing to think about when framing all of these folks. So we talked about Jane. What? Uh, hold on, let me ask one one additional question here. Why? Why are they older? That's a great question, uh, and it's a question that people have. Uh, but I mean, one of the things that uh, let's let's lay it out like this. Um, this is how old the characters, like the John and Rose and Jade and Dave, uh, this is how old those characters would be if they had continued to age from the beginning of the comic until this point historically. Right. So from April 13th, 2009 to November 11th, 2011. Uh, and it's uh, uh, implied, if not outright stated, that Jane's birthday is also uh, April uh, 13th, just like John's. Um, so she, that's why she's 15 and a half years old, because by the next 413, it will be her, that is to say, 413 of 2012, it will be her 16th birthday. Right. So you can already sort of suss out like the, uh, we've, we've aged these kids mm. up or rather these, these kids are older characters. <clears throat> Um, and we're heading toward like 13 has a kind of mystical, you know, association with it, right? It's your first true teen year. Um, and then 16 is like, it's the yes, name of my new young adult like series. <laughs> your next mystical teen year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this also, uh, uh, lines up with the fact that the, all the other characters, the pre-act six characters are now on a three year delay. Right. Okay. In their respective stories, so by the time they show up uh, in the new session, they will all be sixteen as well. So everyone, everyone is aging up, right? We've got this young adult story that's about growing up and how it's hard, and no one understands. Um, but also, when uh, characters are sixteen, you can have 
uh, in practical terms, different types of drama. Right. Uh, like, you know, uh, uh, 16-year-olds feel about the world differently than a 13-year-old does, even though there's probably a lot of overlap in, in many ways, right, as, as young teenagers. Uh, but 16-year-olds are going to be much more... Uh, uh, I, I mean, we are we are already seeing that here uh, romantically forthright or like uh, concerned primarily about uh, romantic relationships and also like interpersonal kind of slights and grudges uh, in very complicated ways. Yeah. So it kind of solves the problem that has been kind of uh, poking the comic so far, which is like, right, what, what's going on with all these 13 year olds and right. trolls <laughs> who are ageless <laughs> <laughs> who are sometimes well, eighty-five-year-old people and sometimes ten. <laughs> the trolls are also, by their own counting, thirteen. So, right, right, right. Uh, but as far as like I, you know, the characterization of these people, right? They yes. they get to flip back and forth, and now they get to be Hunger Games up. You know, they get mm-hmm. to be the right thing. Uh, one additional question about Jane. So, it, I just want to make sure I have the rules of this whole thing right in my head. Mm-hmm. John is pop pop. Yes. Yep. John is uh, Jane's grandfather. Right. But j- j- it's just straight up John, right? Yes. Like, like no in, in this universe. <laughs> yeah. In, in this universe, we learn that. So we know from the previous universe that Jane and Jake, when they were babies, uh, landed in Colonel Sassaker's backyard and were raised by him and Betty Crocker, who was his wife. Right. Until Colonel Sassaker was killed by by Jake when he landed. Um, but then uh, uh, Nana grew up under the tutelage of Betty Crocker, but like opposed her at every instance. And then Betty Crocker disappeared in some way. So here we can now fill in some some gaps and speculate that, OK, uh, John, at least, also landed with Sassaker and was raised by Betty Crocker. Uh, and he grew up to be a famous, like, vaudeville cornball comedian who was also, like, the judge on Night Court. He becomes, in some way, Harry Anderson. All right. Okay. <laughs> I accept th- I accept this. Uh, what's that thing you put in the bathroom? I accept the things I cannot change. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know what you mean. Old old people got it on a. Uh, you got, it's knit and framed. Mm-hmm. That's how mm-hmm. I feel about the this. Serenity. Yeah, yeah. Ser- <laughs> serenity now. Uh, okay, got it. All right, so now we got Jack. Uh, no, Jake. Ja- oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Jack is a different guy. Ah! <laughs> He's several different guys. Ah! <laughs> he is several different guys. That's funny. I'm trying to skip to the good part. <laughs> my, my 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 brain is attacking me. Live on microphone to get me to do the cool part, <laughs> where where the good characters are. Uh, the mm-hmm. uh, right, Jake. Uh, yeah, so lives on Murder Island. It's all the. Why is it all the Lucy? We don't know yet. Okay, so we just. Don't, I, it's not a thing I'm not understanding. We just don't know. Right. Okay. Uh, uh. The yeah. It's just like you're supposed. Yeah. This is a. This is a J.J. Abrams mystery box thing. Like, oh, Jake's on the island, but the island is covered in Lucy. What? He's got to go back. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And he lives like alone. Uh. In a collapsed house mm-hmm. with 
stockpiles of guns and he gets beaten up. Uh, well, that's that's a it's implied here. We don't get to see it until next part of Sode, but he's <laughs> getting regularly beaten up by robots. Yeah. Well, OK, wait. Yeah. Question. Uh, OK. Th- OK. This is a new universe. Mm hmm. Okay, it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna like well Wittgenstein style walk through this proof <laughs> with you. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, number well, one, let me let me okay. actually step in here and maybe resolve something. Okay, please. Uh, when new universe, uh, let's let's put it this way, it is a different version of an old universe. Right, 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 right. Uh, I get. I guess the the level of okay. Because, like, Alternia and Earth are very mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. Right? They're, like, in their own mm-hmm. silos of, like, st- of replication. Yes. This is in the silo replication that of Earth stuff, right? So it's, like, a repetition with a difference of the old universe. Mm-hmm. But, I, but so the question I have is, is geophysically, is it exactly the same? Because it looks like <laughs> Texas exists, right? Like... Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so is this okay. island identical to Jane's Island? You mean Jade's Island? Oh my um, god, this is gonna—it's gonna kill me. <laughs> In my head, I'm like, of course, I'm saying the right thing. Yeah, but I'm not. Uh, I mean, it—it it looks identical, with the exception that Jade's volcano was dormant, and the one on right. Jake's Island is active. Right. Okay. But it's in the same place. Yes. And it and it got here the same way, because we saw the Earth yeah. being formed in a flash a million years ago. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. All presumably, right. I accept all of this. Right. And for what it's worth, all of these conversations are also being had in the thread as people are trying to figure out like what are the connections between uh, the previous version of Earth and this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, are have we actually? Is this going to be a thing where we think we've moved forward in time, but actually we have in fact somehow moved backward in time in the narrative? Right. Uh, even though we have updated the year from 2009 to 2011, uh, but you know it's homestuck. You can't take these things at, at face value. Well, we just had the rug pulled out from. Under under us with the creation of the green sun, it just happened. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yes. y- y- one would be forgiven for thinking, "Uh oh, is this happening again?" <laughs> uh, the well, you know, I'm having a hard time reconciling all this universe stuff with that flash we got like a million years ago of seeing the Earth being created and seeing the sky of meteors hitting the Earth in the deep past. Mm-hmm. Because why did that happen? Like, what was the point of any of that? If the universe itself, who cares? None of this matters. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> well, <laughs> I was going to go down Cameron, a deep hole that doesn't matter the, at all. The previous, you see, this version of Earth would not exist without the previous version of Earth because right. the previous version of the Earth is the one that resulted in the scratch. Right. It resulted right. in the game session that made them scratch the game that made this version of Earth. Yeah. Yeah. I. I yeah. Right. Not confused about that part of it. But confused about why the Earth would be attacked by the Skya meteors more than one time per Earth, I guess. Well, it's it's a different version of Earth. Like it's it's not the same Earth, right? Imagine two imagine yeah, two yeah, yeah, Earths yeah. on the edge of a cliff. <laughs> okay, and, and you put two, <laughs> you put two additional Earths behind it, and wait, yes, no, no, not confused about that. But the fact that the the previous Earth, or John's mm-hmm. Earth, Earth One, uh huh, yes, that, okay, that Earth was hit by meteors more than one time. Uh-huh. It does not make a lot of sense. Like, now that we have given, being shown the cycle of, like, 
what's up with the scratch? How does one resolve a session? Blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Everything involving meteors, basically, before Act 5, kind of nulled out. You know what, what I mean? What do you it's, mean? Well, I'm, I'm having sense, trouble. We, we know for a fact that, uh-huh. that John's Earth, like, uh, uh, Earth 1 gets mm-hmm. smashed by meteors in the deep past, okay. like the prehistoric past, yes. which is like what makes Jade's Island, all that kind of stuff. That occurred. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. then... Further on, it did also. It was destroyed by the meteors when they go into the session, and that's what creates like the post-apocalyptic Earth, you know. Mm-hmm. And all of that is connected to Prospect and Purpo, you know, or at least they mm-hmm. have this like mm-hmm. tenuous mm-hmm. connection mm-hmm. to to Prospect One, Purpo One, right? Uh huh. All of that, uh, cycles of meteors, things like that, seems pretty pointless now, given where the comic went. Is all I'm saying. Mm, okay. It seems like that was a lot of wheel spinning that did not matter <laughs> in the least because the real story there is just that a session occurred. Yes. Right? And there was a lot mm-hmm. of minutia about like the history and cycles of the earth and like meteors being teleported back in time to hit the earth in the prehistoric past. All of that it was just a little whatever, right? A little cycle that did not end up mattering because... The whole thing led to a cycle in which everyone kicked out of it anyway and went to a different universe. <laughs> right, right. Okay, you I see what, I'm see saying, what you mean. Right? Yeah. Yes, uh, and I mean this is this is uh, this is Homestuck, right? I told you I told you that story so I could tell you this story. Right. I I told you a bunch of rules so I could not care about them anymore. <laughs> I hope we don't have to care about them. I'm deeply worried now that we have to care about them again. <laughs> <laughs> I lay all these things down uh, so that I can kind of like pick and choose among them and then fashion a different story. Because one of the things that's really clear to me at this point historically, right, historical Michael, like the within the first several pages of um, Act 6, I'm like, oh, uh, this is definitely like retargeted an audience that I am not really a part of. Um, hmm. That like uh, this is this is essentially write a new story with basically in just kind of the same continuity or something right uh uh mm. like if if homestuck act one through act four is like uh the first part of a trilogy then act five is like the middle chunk and act six is going to be kind of the the third part um uh it is at this point also that i feel very strongly like oh this thing has changed its audience uh, because it is like so clearly signaling uh, its interest and willingness to go along with uh, particular currents in fandom, in particular, like uh, like with all of this kind of relationship stuff with Jane crushing on Jake and kind of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the weirdness uh, with the. I mean, all of these four kids have all of the the weird uh, uh, tensions in them that were not present with the original kids. Not to say that the original right. kids did not have tensions among them or, like, differences in personality, um, but, like, Jane having a crush on Jake and uh, Kid Mom having a crush on Jake, right, is is a categorically different type of relationship material, a different type of story material uh, than we would have seen before. And, and, um, and especially the way they communicate that, right, like... Uh, like all the innuendo and the the, the hoo 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 like around like lightly horny sexual content right from kid mom mm-hmm. right yeah I mean the 
when I was reading it, it was like, oh, we have taken uh, the trolls relationship stuff and distilled it down into four characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, instead of that being spread out over a very wide range of people to where you then create your like ship charts or whatever in the way that um, uh, uh, what's her name did. Nepeta. Nepeta. There we go. Uh, you know, instead of doing that, now it's very delineated, very small. It's mm-hmm. it's it's the um, approachability of the original kids with the YA teen content of the the trolls, mm-hmm. um, and you know maybe you know is that being I guess we'll we will see if that's being formalized right like to me it's unclear if this this like world or this like you know the Act Six uh, sub universe right if it has been infected by the trolls in some kind mm-hmm. of way right with the the loose eye mm-hmm. running around and stuff there there seems to be like in the creative juices that that make the big frog right um, <laughs> the, the frog's got some troll juice um, in it yeah. it seems like to me well remember uh, how this worked for Alternia which was that there was a an original session mm-hmm. uh, that failed. Because the trolls were too weak, quote unquote, said Doc Scratch. Uh, and they reset that with a scratch, which then made it a uh, like a, a seeding ground for Lord English. And one of the conditions of that was that they re- it resulted in a troll society that was more geared toward playing and winning, quote unquote, the game. Right, right. Uh, which is where all of the kind of... Uh, uh, horrible excesses of troll society in an alternia come from. Uh, and now we've got uh, a lot of hints uh, to, to the effect that that same thing has sort of happened in this version of Earth. Uh, but specifically through like the, the implied somehow like progression of the troll empress herself, uh, because this is clearly like we, uh, the troll empress has been implied to be Betty Crocker since the Doc Scratch uh, interval. Um, and now we have like there, there's a bit uh, where Jane is looking at her computer screen. And because she uses only like Betty Crocker branded mm-hmm. chat clients, mm-hmm. it's got all sorts of like awful pop up ads that yes. are constantly also like flipping over into the they live propaganda, like obey cease reproduction kind of things. Um, and in the background of one of the ads, you can see that Betty, the Betty Crocker Corporation has uh, colonized Mars and you can see uh, the troll empress's uh, ship like flying through the skies of Mars or something. Uh, you um, can. And then, I'm looking at it. This is on 4135 if people want to check it out. Right. And then Jane has uh, a whole bunch of experimental technology that like clearly is like game technology, but put on Earth before anyone is playing the game because she's uh, putting stuff from her inventory into it and like uh, uh, decomposing it into build grist. So again, like the, the yeah. things are happening that are like preparing people or this one specific person acclimatizing them uh, to play the game. And, uh, you know, she uh, Jane has this tiara top that uh, when she wears it, it allows her to uh, she's got mobile computing. Right. This mm-hmm. is not a thing that you would have had in 2009. We, we talked about uh, back in an early episode how it reads as weird historically that Dave has an iPhone or not weird, but like notable, like the quest, mm-hmm. like people were, were asking, would have asked the question, why does this kid have an iPhone? Um, and now here we are with Jane, who has her tiara top that uh, how this is how this is uh, shown. This is on page four, one, five, three. Um, but aside, uh, she's talking about how she uses it. 
but aside from a few migraines, you can't possibly imagine any, and then it says obey in white text, like Doc Scratch, so you can't read it against, or it's hard to read against the back of the website. Um, it's hard to imagine any obey drawbacks that cease reproduction could come with submit, merging, consume your thoughts with embrace your culling, experimental technology, conform to social order from a stra- stay asleep, extremely powerful die corporation. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. So, you know, these these technology is kind of a mind control thing. Uh, when Jane looks out her window, it's like uh, doing an augmented reality thing where it projects these messages like onto the sidewalk and so on. Um, really interesting, again, for me, uh, as someone who is looking at the way that this thing uh, is trying to talk about being on the Internet and interacting with technology Um And one of the, like, little things, again, that I want to raise, one of my little leading questions that I oh so love to do, uh, to think about as we move forward is, like, to what extent uh, might Homestuck or Act 6 of Homestuck be about looking at uh, sort of bad aspects of technology, bad aspects of being online. I know that this uh, comic gets talked about a lot as being kind of a good example of what happens when fandom comes together. Like, what do fandoms produce? I've done that, right? That's the almost the entirety of my Vice piece. Uh, I did it in the previous partisode when I was working through Cascade. Uh, the other way to put this is that there was a time when I could have left reading Homestuck during Act 6. Not because I think it's necessarily bad, but because it is so clearly, like, not speaking to my concerns or, like, my... uh, The other way of saying this, I'm growing up. Like, by this point, I'm nearing the end of grad school and reading this young adult novel, this thing that is very clearly set on being a kind of young adult novel, is not as maybe um, uh, uh, compelling for me as it would have been, you know, three or four years before. Uh... Nevertheless, I do keep reading Homestuck because there are things that are happening that suggest to me that there is still something to be said here about, uh, like, this this comic is still trying to say something about what it means to, like, be with each other, to be a community online, to talk with each other online, and to grow up online. Um, And that, what that means is changing so much, right? The idea, like... Being a kid online in uh, late 2011 is not what being a kid online was for me in the early 2000s. Like, that is so very clear to me uh, historically. And that's starting to get folded in here where we have uh, children using, uh, before they even get into the game, because this was fantastical before, uh, children using this kind of remote uh, internet technology. And obviously this is kind of like a joke, this thing about like it being mind control technology. Um, but it does raise this question of like, well, what happens when you give a bunch of kids uh, some technology that has just been invented that allows them to like socially interact or like uh, consume media or images or text uh, from, I don't know, wherever out there in, in, in the numinous digital land? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are what are the consequences of that? What kinds of relationships does this foster? Uh, and uh, as as kind of the Internet begins to interpenetrate daily life more and more, um, what is it that we are building together? Like, what does the world start to look like? Does that make sense? It, it does. Looks like yeah. the algorithmic Internet. Sorry to report. Yeah. Yep. 
yeah, and I guess like that's my point, right? It's like I think uh, Homestuck because of because of the way it is written, because of the way it is is constructed, uh, works as a really helpful index to this kind of cultural shift. You know, all when I talked about uh, uh, Otakon twenty eleven. Uh, the huge cosplay takeover, uh, none of that could have happened, or rather, it could have happened, right? But the record-making that we have of that, the fact that I could go onto the Tumblr and reblog a whole bunch of um, uh, old cosplay photos does not happen before all of these kids have phones in their pockets. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying not to sound like, you know, too much of an old man. When I'm saying all these kids have phones, I'm not saying that's in and of itself a bad thing. I'm saying that's a different thing. That's a new thing. That is a way that is uh, that that is a way that culture is shifting. And Homestuck can be read as a way to trace that shift in culture and kind of uh, its consequences, but also how particular people thought about it. Mm hmm. Uh, for example, uh, we have this whole big joke about uh, uh, Betty Crocker rebranding, uh, mm -hmm. like, you know, it's it's uh, 11, 11, 11, and uh, the Betty Crocker spoon turns into a trident, and people in the thread especially are like, haha, like, that's definitely, uh, an, and it says in the comic something about, you know, uh, weird dates like this are often used by corporations for, uh, you know, silly rebranding initiatives. People in the thread are like, haha, that's obviously a swipe at Skyrim, because Skyrim comes out uh, for the first time uh, on November 11th, 2011. Isn't it, isn't it kind of weird that also, like, <laughs> Skyrim has just continued to come out, like, again and again since this point? Um, but anyway, uh, people note the Skyrim joke. What they don't really note in the thread, and this is a thing that I think of historically that I think is interesting... They don't note that this is also what Homestuck is doing right now. Uh, what do you mean? Well, in the sense that, uh, like, the uh, the clearing of the deck and then uh, resetting up all the pieces is so much of a kind of corporate rebranding. And I, mean, I don't mean, like, it's actually a corporate rebranding, but, like, Act 6 is a kind of rebranding of what Homestuck is. It is uh, what we've talked about before, this kind of, like, retcon a way of working through where like the the newest thing that happens recontextualizes everything that has happened before yeah um and act six is kind of well it, it starts out like uncertain right like what is happening here it may just be a joke uh but i can say like with again with my uh, beautiful omniscience like act six does kind of mark a full recontextualization of what uh homestuck was up until this point and so, right, it is, it's doing the thing that I'm saying it's always doing. It's being not exactly self-critical, but it's pointing at itself, right? It's trying to get you to notice something. Like, this is a joke about rebranding as I am doing a rebrand. Yeah, that's also, uh, you know, the soft reboot thing. That That's also the big chart of everyone who died, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, that's on 4289, right? So Hussy Bot is, is thinking about... <laughs> Thinking about all the people that got murdered in the comic, um, mm -hmm. I I cannot believe that uh, uh, that they had the restraint to not put like ten thousand Dave clones on here, <laughs> right? Like that just seems like such a such a maneuver here uh, from them. Yeah, but but they don't. Um, and uh, but right, I mean that's the thing of being like, hey, just remember, all these characters are dead, um, mm -hmm. and you know some get to come back in weird ways, right? question mark uh but maybe they don't um uh so be aware here's the big cast 
Just FYI, big cast, big cast of characters here. <laughs> big cast. Look how, look how many people there are. Mm-hmm. What I like about this image is that Beck gets counted as killed. <laughs> uh, well, also, uh, Maplehoof is dead. Yes. Well, I mean, Maplehoof, yeah, Maplehoof got exploded. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, I know, but it's still unfortunate. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's, uh, it's very, uh, interesting that and, and this is this is another good example of um the the hussy buffoon author insert of being like oh, wait you mean there are characters that i forgot to kill right uh very much uh kind of echoing back the the fandom like you know an element of fandom response which is that like you're just here to be mean to these characters and kill my faves and things like that mm-hmm. uh so megalomaniacal hussy bot uh rushing off to like destroy john and jade before they leave uh whatever weird universe that they're in in between uh these two sessions well the uh, i also like here that dad is crossed out and then the crossed out is crossed out with green <laughs> yes uh, which which is very good, and also there's a little question mark on top of that little that little pool ball guy over there. Where did he go? Uh, oh yeah, Clover. Yeah. What happened to Clover? What's up with Clover? Mm-hmm. Ad break time. Time for some uh uh cool discussions of other things that you can find uh from the creators of Homestuck Made This World. Uh, the range touch media network uh we have all sorts of shows not just this one about homestuck uh we talk about all sorts of things in i guess deep and cool and way too long ways uh things like the novels of stephen king where you can hear cameron and i talk about uh uh you know all like actually when you're hearing this we will very soon let me check the date real quick uh on just king things the show where we read and talk about the books of stephen king in publication order uh Next Monday, uh, from when you're hearing this, will be when we have our new episode on uh, the famous Stephen King doorstopper, It. So if you have been listening to Homestuck Made This World and you like the way that we work through texts and and history and ideas, uh, and you want to hear us do that with something extremely different, but I gotta say, I gotta say it, Cameron, uh, weirdly close in a lot of ways to what's going on in homestuck there's gonna there's gonna be i think some conceptual uh overlap um between the show and that one when we talk about it then you can uh check out just king things if you haven't done that already uh we also have too much future where cameron and i talk about the fallout games and mages and murder dads where cameron and danny work through uh the games in the Baldur's gate lineage right now they are in the midst of uh the combat heavy icewind dale uh, and if you have not listened to Mages and Murder Dads ever, this means nothing to you, but it means everything to me as someone who's listened to it from the very beginning. Danny has a party now. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. 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 He, he died. Uh, yeah, Danny has uh, traditionally done like single single uh, player character uh, playthroughs and uh, Icewind Dale was just too much. Had to had to get uh, some some folks to tag along uh, little little mobs. Um, the other things you can do uh, if you like range touch and you want to help us out because Homestuck made this world would not exist uh, without reader support. This this entire show came about because we had a, a Patreon goal. Uh, you can go to range touch or 
patreon.com slash range touch uh, kick us a few dollars a month uh, that'll get you access to bonus episodes uh, particularly for the Homestuck Made This World series uh, we've been talking about paratexts like Con Air, uh, Armageddon the never ending story uh, things that are sort of like related to Homestuck and now that we've hit Act 6 uh, as I've already mentioned in the main episode we're going to start looking at some fan productions uh, the next upcoming a uh, bonus episode is going to be on prom stuck so you can check that out and there's also uh, bonus episodes for just king things and uh, all sorts of uh, cool other extras that come when you support us on patreon uh, the other way then that you can help us out is to leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice uh, but particularly the Apple reviews because Apple podcasts uh, for whatever reason are the ones that uh, everyone seems to look at and if you leave us a review that is uh, positive and funny, then there is a chance that Cameron will read it out loud to all of us on air during an ad break, just like this. It has to be a five-star review. I just want to make that yeah. very clear. Mm-hmm. You got to leave five stars if you want me to read the thing. This is from Go Philly Pies. Uh, homestuck in creation? I don't know what this word is. Sometimes I look at this world and I say, Homestuck made that. But then my friends say, but what is Homestuck? And now instead of making them read 8,000 pages and only get half the picture, I can have them listen to this instead and get through enough Homestuck to survive in infected areas without having to spend their teen years painting themselves gray. (laughs) There's also uh, a funny one here. It's a deep cut. Probably, uh, Michael, it'll make you laugh. This is from Custodes GB. Title, the show is funny and frightening. In my early 20s, I narrowly avoided falling into the Homestuck event horizon. Seeing Cameron's response, I'm very thankful. I instead got into, uh, got very into Akewood, a comic with no problems, no parasociality <laughs> with the fans and creator, and no troubling language from the creator. <laughs> As someone who was reading Akewood way before he was reading Homestuck, well, it was it was never as high, but there were definitely there were some wild uh, Akewood moments. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. that robot, <laughs> that robot, <laughs> awesome, cool. Uh, yeah, All so right. thank well, you that, so much. Yeah, 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 thanks for leaving those reviews. Then five star review, make it funny. Mm hmm. Uh, now back to the show. Uh, why is Hussey a robot? Uh, that's a great question. I it mean, why a, was Hussey asked it? I only ask good questions. <laughs> why Why was Hussey wearing a space shirt back when they jumped into Doc Scratch's apartment? Uh, uh-huh. I can say, like, there's not going to be, like, a hard textual answer to what's going on with the Hussey bot here. Uh, but we can we can do some, uh, you know, little thematic reads. Uh, one is that Hussey is a robot is a thing that has been said multiple times in at least the something awful thread, especially when Hussey has been doing lots of updates, right? This, this Mm. kind of machinic idea of the author who just constantly is producing content. And of course we get Hussey here as the robot, uh, at the moment where, uh, they've just, uh, dropped the curtains on act six, act one, which by the way, you, you see how, you see how the, the naming system for this show was all part of the plan from the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So Act 6, Act 1 ends. uh, And then Hussey's like, oh, God, I've got to do five more of these. But they're, you know, repainted as a robot. So there's that kind of angle we could look at it with, right? There's some sort of 
there's some sort of potential awareness there on Hussey's part of uh, the way that their production is talked about and sort of, I mean, you know, the, the implied way that their like work, their labor and their body is being talked about. Um, uh, incidentally, this is also a, a set of readings where uh, historically Hussey gets doxxed um, or rather like uh, their their house gets um, uh, located. They post an yeah. image to Tumblr. Um, where, uh, they're, they're, so they're on Tumblr now, and this is where they tend to do, like, question and answer sessions, and from what I can tell, it's an absolute nightmare. Uh, they open the question box for, like, less than five minutes and get 500 to 1,000 questions. Of course. Yeah. Um, but, uh, they get so many questions, they're like, well, how do I, how do I even work through these? And so they decide they get, like, a, 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 a like, 100-sided die, that has, I think, different letters of the alphabet on it, and they roll it, and they're just, it's like, it comes up H, and they're like, I'm, and they post a picture, and they're like, I'm going to, I'm only going to uh, answer questions that begin with the letter H, uh, uh-huh. but then I, I think it's 4chan, uh, uh, the 4chan uh, posters, take that image, and they scrape it for the uh, XGIF data, and find the location, uh, the GPS coordinates of Hussey's house. Oh my god, so, this is why he never use a cell phone. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. That 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 augment that the technology interpre- interpenetrating uh, the world. Yeah. Um. So, anyhow, right? Like this is uh, that's uh one way of looking at this, right? Hussy bought as uh some sort of potential um response to the way that the fandom tends to theorize, not theorize, but like conceptualize Hussy as kind of a machinic entity. Um. Uh. The other thing to then think about is that we have in this act we have a uh, kid bro who is uh you know this roboticist and the thing about kid bro obviously is that he's this sessions strider who was uh like the closest to hussy's self insert right mm-hmm. in in the original session um and so now we have like dave's bro as a kid being a robot person uh, who has also built a robot clone of himself, right? Uh, not just a robot clone, because we see that, and it is straight up just like a robot double, but then also has this autoresponder that's like, uh, uh, you know, a, a uh, you know, bot representation, like a, a text bot representation of, of him. Um, so uh, this is another way in which Hussey is like setting up this kind of uh, weird comparative uh, string from like, you know, Dave Hussey, uh, uh, Kid Bro Hussey, like, you, you, there, there's something here where, like, the the Strider characters are close to the author mm-hmm. um, in ways that are usually pretty ambiguous or can be read a couple of ways. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Sweet Bro and Hello Jeff. Is this where we learned that Sweet Bro and Hello Jeff got a movie? Yes. <laughs> With Stiller and, and Wilson. And, yeah. <laughs> is it also implied that, that Ben Stiller is dead? Uh-huh. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay. Well, <laughs> interesting. I don't think yep. that, that might be in the next part. So, but, uh, okay. Well, so that's that's the kind of new... You call them alpha kids? Is that is that the that's, official... Because they are using the alpha rather than the, home, the, the suburb beta. Yes, and so yeah, in in the fandom, most of uh, most people will refer to this uh, set of characters as the Alpha Kids. Interesting. So, but then we then we kick back to these other nerds, <laughs> our previous nerds. Yeah, 
some of, uh, some of whom are hanging out on on a, on a spaceship on on mm-hmm. the, on the uh, the giant ship that crashed and was resurrected or whatever. Uh, that's uh, Jade and John. Uh huh. And then the others who are hanging out on the the meteor. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna get propulsed <laughs> into yes. right behind them into the new universe. Mm-hmm. Now, so they're shooting out of one window and into the other, and they're in the gap uh-huh. of one yard. Uh huh. Flying at light speed. There is so much very specific information in this part of and the next one, the, these two readings, about flying at light speed versus sub-light speed and near-light speed <laughs> that is so specific in a way that I can't, I don't know why that would matter. So I think that uh, one thing is that, like, it also doesn't make any sense. No, that they're flying <laughs> right. No. They're they're flying across one yard at near light speed, and it takes them three years. Um, but this is, uh, I think, a callback. <laughs> I'm using that now in kind of a fairly loose sense, but uh, this is a thing from Problem Sleuth. Uh, do you remember in Problem Sleuth? Listen to the bo- Problem Sleuth bonus episode at Patreon.com/slash Range Touch. Um, but uh, there's that bit in Problem Sleuth where the the universe gets ripped apart, and then they have to sew it back together. Do you remember that? Right. Yeah. Um, so there's a, uh, during that part, uh, they have, when they sew it back together, they do it with an electrical cord and then they have to run power through that electrical cord, uh, to power the fan that is going to, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, all this, all this crap. Um, but anyway, there is something that happens in Problem Sleuth where like, uh, it takes a while for the power to run through that cord because it's running at light speed through all of like reality or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and it gives some figure for how long it takes and the figure is incorrect, but, uh, readers responded to Hussey and Hussey talks about this in, in the, um, uh, feedback or not the feedback, Jesus. Hussey talks about this (laughs) in the... Hussey talks about this in the book commentary for Problem Sleuth about uh, uh, readers being like, hey, you you basically you you did not get the correct uh, uh, calculations for like how fast this uh, power would be moving if it were moving at relativistic speeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hussey's response, rather than being like, uh, you know, it's 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 fiction. I did it for a joke is to be like, actually here are like, here's how this is metaphysically working to ensure that this is how it would happen in, in this particular game. So this is, this is not a unique homestuck thing. This is a thing that happened in problem sleuth. And then it gets uh, repurposed here to do the exact same thing, to make something take longer than it actually would have uh, in kind of, rather than saying like, yeah, I'm taking liberties with the science for poetic terms, which is, I think, you know, implied mm-hmm. um, saying, uh, instead, actually, the metaphysics for light speed in my fiction are different. You know, I'll be honest. Uh, who who is this? Who is the tall the tall guy? Is that pickle inspector? Yes, him becoming every atom in the universe. I I really do think about that quite often. Now, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, goofy and funny that is. Mm-hmm. It's very good. <laughs> Well, great. Glad to hear that there's some sort of weird, bizarro explanation for why this is happening. I do like I, it's at some point here when they look off the side of the boat and they're like, what is that? And it's <laughs> it's like the smear of robot hussy. Yes. I, I thought that was pretty good. But uh, so, yeah, so we got all these people on the thing and they communicate to one another by throwing a bucket through a portal. Yes, that now, is why- Jade. 
Jade right. is the portal. Jade is the portal. <laughs> but being the portal in the same way that Beck could be the portal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's uh, the reader command, be the portal. Uh, <laughs> but um, the uh, but yeah, and just clonks Carcat right in the face. Now, I understand previous to this, you know, that this is this is this uh, is part of my extreme reaction to the bucket information <laughs> that you shared, I think, in the last or the previous part of so. Uh, but is Carcat's worry about that bucket flying through that portal and clonking him in the old face? Mm-hmm. Is his worry, is it because it's like getting hit in the head with a condom? Sort of. Is that like his that... initial, like, uh-oh? Yeah, like, okay. the, yeah, because because humans do not typically use buckets in, in our uh, procreation, I you know, the, the comparison is always going to lack something, but... Right, right. <laughs> But but that's that's the reaction. It's not some mm-hmm. sort of previous reaction because I know that this set of panels, which I've actually seen before, contextless. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, they, I mean, I, I've seen them like years ago. Uh, these like birth their own meme, right? Mm-hmm. Of throwing buckets at people, supposedly. Yeah, I think supposedly like that hasn't come up in the thread yet, but I there I do get there do, stories do come up later of like people getting hit with buckets at cons and things like that. And it's always like, is this a thing that really happened or is this a little bit of, uh, you know, con urban legend? Because mm-hmm. that's that's definitely a thing that happens at conventions where, yeah. you know, like someone got murdered with a paddle. Mm-hmm. They got hit so hard they were paralyzed. <laughs> yes, yes. Paralyzed with a yaoi paddle. Yeah, right. Which I think I don't I don't think is ever confirmed to have actually occurred, but and yet is like still virally mimetic mm-hmm. uh, as, as a thing, and now it's like a joke thing, but still you know happening. It keeps happening. Uh, it's uh, okay. I'm I'm just checking because it's really belabored. The reason I'm asking this is it is so belabored in the comic, right? Like we get all these shots and it like shoots up into the air and he falls down, all that kind of stuff, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. is this playing off of something already existing? Or is it just like you would, you know, do in a in a bro comedy of someone getting hit in, hit in the head with a condom? Oh, it is like uh, it, it, if the, you know, reactions from the thread and Tumblr or anything to go by. It's like pure. This is like purely joke, right? It's right. Uh, uh, like, oh, my like car cat is car cat. Like he has <laughs> um, he's reactive to everything. Uh, and now we've hit him in the face with like. The Alternian version of a sex toy, right? And yeah, we get yeah, like yeah, yeah. the belabored panels of that. So isn't this funny, right? In a way, it's kind of like fan service, uh, where it's where it's like, uh, you know, wouldn't it be great if we got to see Carcat react to something that was super embarrassing for him? Right. Speaking of weird uh, and embarrassing, what's up with all these like level ups? You think you think the level ups are weird and embarrassing? I just don't. They seem kind of pointless to me. Well, uh, haven't we left all this behind? Well, g- good news, yes. <laughs> okay, good. Like this is this is kind of the last uh, hurrah of that uh, because it uh, this happens. I think partly because in uh, forum posts uh, on the official forums, I I think maybe to some degree in like forum spring responses, but I know this is a thing that has happened in in the forums. Uh, is Hussey has said, like, the kids cannot talk to each other directly. They always have to talk to each other through a chat client, right? Yeah. Um, 
they can only directly talk to their sprites. And so when uh, things, right, so actually when people start uh, talking to their sprites, people in the forums are like, hey, hussy, like, how are, how's this happening? And hussy's like, uh, sprites don't count. The kids just can't talk directly to one another. And that's why when Rose runs into John after she's, you know, filled with dark energy, she only can like, you know, snarl and uh, growl and things. Right. Anyway, uh, this level up um, is a thing, one that people kind of wanted. They were like, oh, man, I hope I like once God tier became a thing in the story, people were like, does God tier have its own set of levels? <laughs> I Are hope we going John get- becomes revenge of Dr. Ragnarok. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for that to happen. <laughs> uh, so this answers the question. Yes, the God tiers do have levels, um, but mainly it exists for, I think, Hussy to be able to be like, and uh, they get uh, <laughs> this is actually funny. It's like a so they get badge. all their level ups and it's like uh, and now you're uh, you know, you've got like these big adult levels now uh, and you also get your kitty camper handy sash. <laughs> Or you can get merit badges uh, that allow you to talk to each other directly. Um, and that just, you know, re- uh, dispenses with the need for the characters to have chat clients between them to talk to one another. Yep. Uh, but the fact that it's a, uh, a sash with merit badges on it uh, is pretty important for later because it is a, uh, a sort of future callback to Wizardy Herbert, which is going to become increasingly oh, important as we continue to read Act 6. Well, I'm, I feel so confident that someone's going to show up wearing this sash. <laughs> okay. I, it, it, it has to. And it's also Prospect and Purple colored. That's for, true. For, for the, the Purple Dreamer. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, we get all these little goobers talking to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything stick out to you that's fun there? Uh, not particularly. It does feel... Um, like the the character of everything feels very different at this point, right? Post Cascade, like the fact that uh, the the kids are separated, right? The original kids, John and Jade yep. versus Rose and Dave, um, they're separated, uh, but they're also like finally. I think as Carcat put it at one point, right? They are finally out of the uh, just like uh, constantly impending mortal peril that they have been in for you know a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of like just bullshitting that's going on that I think is really interesting, right? Like the, the strictures of the plot kind of, uh, release and these characters just sort of are bullshitting with each other. Like, oh we, we yeah, get the it's whole, just like a little victory yeah. lap. You've been waiting for this the whole time for all these little nerds to hang out with one another. Mm-hmm. And now they are. <laughs> and like when we get to Resi B, I mean like we're actually a lot cooler than this. And <laughs> Dave was like, are you? And she's like, no, we're not. It's like, no, of course you're not. Yeah. Of course you're not. Uh, we we know you're not cool. <laughs> you're all big, weird nerds. Uh, the other thing that's interesting there is uh, the fact that in these conversations, we have to work through everything that happened in Cascade. Like, Carcat is <laughs> yes. like, so the green sun is here. It's not exploded. Anyone want to explain that to me? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, and it's all it all comes down to Jade being like, oh, yeah, no, I had a dream where this got, got all explained to me. Don't worry. We were tricked. Oh, yeah. Everything. <laughs> everything that is not the alpha kids here is just a recap of Cascade. Mm-hmm. Like and it's like fit within the framework of these characters talking to one another. But it's just trying to explain to you what the hell you actually watch. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone uh, looking at their own corpses. Corpses disappear. <laughs> Gamesy steals all the corpses. 
Yes, uh, yeah, Gamzee is stealing corpses for some reason. Aradia just, uh, Aradia, who's been okay, is like, by the way, I really like death, just so you know. Like, in case you forgot that I was, like, implicitly goth. <laughs> Kanaya goes to go murder the clown. <laughs> yes, Kanaya wants to, yeah, uh, kill Gamzee to, to just nip that in the bud. Um, it's very funny to me that Dave, because Dave Sprite, sorry, was also on the ship, and Dave Sprite uses his time powers or whatever to uh, to uh, Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff, the cover of Armageddon. Yes, the the Armageddon specifically poster, making yeah. the spaceship beep beep back into the atmosphere slowly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's they're good, good, good character moments. Um. We haven't talked really at all about the other kind of big new element here, which is UU. Do we want to save it? I mean, ooh, we can just say, I guess, here uh, that that is happening. And uh, it is so much. This is actually a thing that is worth me pointing out. So much of what is happening here at Act 6, uh, and I, this probably works. Um, if you're uh, just reading it, this probably still works, uh, but it is hard to uh, sell or it is hard to describe exactly how much the beginning of Act 6 uh, is like beat by beat set to uh, fuck up the ways that the serial readers think this is going to go. Because we get the, you know, the reset of the universe and we're going to get introduced to the new version of John, who's Jane, but she's not Jane Egbert, she's Jane Crocker. And then we get uh, the new version of Jade, who's Jake, but not uh, Jake Harley, Jake English, right? The, mm -hmm. These two characters who are villains. So suddenly the protagonists are like this, these two new protagonists have the same surnames as two of the villains. And uh, for Jane, that's pretty, like, like I, I already walked through kind of how that happened. For Jake, it's totally inexplicable. No one knows what's going on there. Um, and then, uh, so, you know, it's like, well, are these, uh, is this setting up these characters to turn evil? A perennial question in the Homestuck fandom, mostly up until this point focused on Rose, uh, and at this point now, like, is being sort of telegraphed into these two other characters. Uh, and then we get Yu Yu who uh, shows up and uh, her first conversation with Jane is a callback to Carcat's first conversation with Jade, except whereas Carcat's message was like, so today's the day where you fuck everything up. Uh, you, you messages Jane and is like, today's the day where you fix everything. Mm, some sort of opposite world. <laughs> yeah, some sort of opposite world. <laughs> but as people notice, uh, you, you, uh, well, first of all, Notice that name. You know, notice how we how we refer to her. You, you. And how is Homestuck written? Ooh. You do this. You do that. You're going here. So on and so forth. Um, and she's got uh, all of these fun uh, notions about the game uh, and all all this information that she's going to dispense uh, to, to the characters. And she's like, you know, help like she she's kind of responsible for helping Jake with this bunny thing, uh, which we know the bunny is going to be retroactively important and stuff we've already read. Uh, but the other thing people notice is that her typing quirk is, uh, shall we say, a little English is it true? Well, What's she the... uses 
She uses use, extra use. Oh, right, she spells right, right. color with a U. Right, and she's right. also saying things like, oh, bother. And she calls, uh, you know, she's like, oh, you're a nutter. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's some sort of lord. Yeah, well, uh, so there, there's like all, all this like uh, stuff, right? Like more puzzle box elements or not exactly puzzle box, but uh, mystery. Yeah, mystery elements are being introduced here, and a lot of it is very ominous, right? A lot of it is telegraphing something about, like, characters turning evil or uh, a helpful character or a character who is presenting herself as helpful, potentially maybe not being helpful or not being trustworthy. And again, as you say, this comes after the whole Green Sun thing, which was an, an entire, like, rug pull. Mm-hmm. So... The, the readership is, like, highly attuned to things turning out to be not what they at first appeared to be, uh, which just, like, throws everything into this, like, huge morass of, like, theorization and skepticism with regard to, I think it's what I already said about, like, people people trying to, like, work out, like, what's the timeline trick going to be where we find out that this is not actually taking place when we thought it was, right? Like, what if we've actually, like, what if this is a universe that preceded the kids' universe and, and so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so uh, uh, just a couple of kind of final things. Uh, one big, uh, uh, I guess... <laughs> Uh, an important moment in in the fandom uh, is uh, someone asks Hussey on uh, Tumblr, will another 12 alternate trolls be introduced in this new Scratch session? Um, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Hussey says, that would be such a shitload of trolls. <laughs> Do we need 12 more? I mean, if I introduce 12 more trolls, I might as well introduce another 100, right? Which might be fine. Hey, who wants me to introduce 100 more trolls? Any takers? Probably lots of people, I bet. How about if I introduce 10,000 new trolls? Watch this. I hereby declare all of your fan trolls to be canon. Yes, even the shitty ones. Right. So all, all fan trolls are now canon. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> Great. Um, I mean, I, what is very interesting to me is is, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of conversations about this comic, right? Uh, in the sense of like, it happens on our Discord. People tag us into conversations, many of which I don't understand because I'm not <laughs> at a point where, right, where, where like I would understand that. And some of it's really heavily fandom and focused, right? In the sense of like. Mm-hmm. Their interpretations or the way they talk about this comic is downstream from a lot of other interventions that I don't know anything about, right? Theorizations, ideas, whatever. Right. It, but one of them that keeps coming up is this notion of canonicity, right? Like uh-huh. what gets to count? Uh, it's one that you've brought up too, but really it does seem like that emanates from a lot of people in the fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or just to people who are invested in this, that, you know, who might not consider themselves a part of the fandom. And the thing that I will say is that... Uh, I understand why you would take this positively, and I mean positive not in the sense of like um, like nice or good, but positive in the sense of like uh, in the sense of positive law, right? As as an mm-hmm. affirmation of a certain <laughs> set of practices, right? Yeah. That, that should I love to have a Homestuck podcast where we talk about positive laws and affirmation of a certain set of practices. Continue, right, right, right. right. I, I, look, uh, you know, there's a difference between like what what are called positive laws and negative laws, right? Negative mm-hmm. laws are things in which uh, laws in which uh, actors are not allowed to 
uh, infringe on certain rights, right? Mm-hmm. But but those certain rights are granted to everyone and non-specifically, as opposed to something that, that is positive law, which put rights into the law, a very specific set of practices that are given to someone that cannot be breached. Um, mm-hmm. So so the way they operate uh, are, are pretty important, right? So, for example, um, uh, what is in the Constitution around voting is largely negative law. The Civil Rights Act is largely positive law, right? I mean, those mm-hmm. those tend to be the big examples that get brought forward. So I mean, so I mean, positive <laughs> in the sense of positive law, meaning that uh, the authority of canon or someone who is heavily involved in what counts as canon or not. Hussey mm-hmm. makes a proclamation that people then run with and then theorize around mm-hmm. and deal with. And one of them has to do with this, this question of canonicity, right? Like what gets to count? And so, so many people have, have, I, I, you know, um, basically said in, in my presence around me to me sometimes, right. That, uh, everything gets to be canonical precisely because of the way that, that, uh, Homestuck itself works, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it is consumptive, right? And we have characterized that historically as like, you know, kind of like the basic practices of IP and capitalism and things like that, right? That these things yep. are consumptive. They eat stuff around them and they uh, maneuver them into saleable commodities or maneuverable commodities. Right. What's so fascinating to me is that every time you have brought up Hussey's actual positions on these things, or at least the things that they have said publicly about them, they are clearly either jokey or trollish. Yes. And so what's funny to me is like what you just said there, all your, your fan trolls are canon. On one hand is like that's that's a funny thing to say because it's like uh, Hussey pretty clearly to my read just being annoyed with having to talk about this. Yes. <laughs> right. Like I, I'm not going to make 12 more trolls. That's not going to happen. Uh, you know, uh, and, and if I do want to do that, well, whatever, I'm going to make a million more trolls. Who cares? Right. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not telling you really that to me just reads like I'm not telling you what I'm doing. Um, yes. You know, uh, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. But it is funny to, and interesting, not funny, but interesting to see the kernel of, of the claim here, which is everything is canonical. Mm-hmm. That gets to move, and people treat uh, you know Hussey's proclamations as silly, whatever, right? As not to be fundamentally trusted at the end of the day. I, I think it seems like many Homestuck fans do not think that Hussey is the final authority on any of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be very widely shared, and and right there's all this like quote unquote post canon stuff, right? That, that mm-hmm. keeps going. Like I know there's Homestuck two and all that other stuff. The the video games, uh, you know, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know what's in those things, but I know they exist. Um. But the core claim here, right, of the of the removal of canon, right, or or of the um, uh, subtraction of the responsibility for any of this, right, <laughs> yeah. on Hussey's part, that seems to be just taken as flatly okay and true, right? Like, yeah, of mm-hmm. course, of course we. So it's really interesting to me to like even in something so small like that, and you know, it's come up a few other times on the show that uh, the picking and choosing of of when Hussey gets to be authoritative. And when and when the the core of the statement that Hussey says is just true for everyone, and when that should be rejected, uh, it, it, you know the uh, decision making matrix there to me is very unclear, um, mm-hmm. and it does seem like at some point here there will be a, a moment in which fan theorizations of what gets to count here and what doesn't count are going to be very important and will be a thing that I'm missing having only be reading the comic, right? Like. <laughs> Yeah, and ahead. that's why I'm here. I know. 
But you know what I mean? Like, it feels like if you just read this thing straight, uh, you and didn't have any additional context. I don't know. It seems like there's going to be more intermediaries in the mix. Uh, mm-hmm. know, knowing how I, you know, knowing where we are at the halfway point and knowing what the fandom looks like now and the way it talks to itself, or at least having gotten a, you know, a, a hefty helping of it. There's a disconnect for me between the way the fandom theorizes this object and the way this object at this point theorizes itself. So I'm very curious, mm-hmm. like, is it because there are very prominent fan theorists or discussers of the comic, particularly in, in the ascendant moment of Tumblr, which is coming up and is occurring right mm-hmm. now, kind of historically, 2011, 2012? Is it because of that? Or is it because the comic itself changes and, and starts saying different things, which maybe that is true? Uh, you know, I don't know, but but that that is an interesting moment of being an archival reader who is really just reading the the thing in front, right? Is mm-hmm. like, I I it's weird and kind of hard to see where the the fandom lives now, emanating from the stuff that I have read so far. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't know. No, I I think that's a good point, and I think yeah, the part of part of the method of this show is attempting to sort of uh, work out how these things happen. Like, this is why we're we're taking it historically in kind of the chunks that we are. Yeah. And that really hasn't come up for me until some of the more recent, you know, um, uh, form springy question stuff. Tumblr. I guess these were Tumblr asks at this point. Right. But mm-hmm. um, the questions. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. I have not really. When we were in the first act, I wasn't like, oh, th- this is a little bit of a disjuncture between the way that Homestuck fandom operates now and the way the comic is. That'll probably get resolved over the next 10 years. <laughs> uh, but now as we get closer, I'm thinking, huh, maybe maybe something's going on here. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of uh, people reading things and trying to figure them out, uh, an extremely important other thing that I want to note that uh, comes up in the thread at this uh, chunk of reading, and I'm sure that this has been happening on Tumblr proper uh, probably for quite a while at this point, but this is the first time it's worked into the Something Awful thread. And this is, uh, you know, I, I'm i constantly rationalizing or justifying some of this stuff. Uh, and trust me, I, I think it'll pay off. But like the reason that I am uh, using the Something Awful thread as kind of a barometer is my kind of assumption that if something gets big enough in the fandom to work itself into the Something Awful thread, then generally speaking, people in the fandom broadly uh, know about it or remember it or it was a thing that uh, was was said, right? Because, like, for example, in the Something Awful fan art thread, people just stop posting in there. I don't know what I'm going to do with the fan art Tumblr because people just stopped posting because everyone who was posting in that thread moved to Tumblr and just started posting fan art there. Um, but in the main thread that is discussing the comic, uh, sort of fandom topics like filter in. So if it's a a big enough thing to kind of like move from Tumblr to something awful, that's kind of like a litmus test for me um, for something to talk about. Um, And it's also because like this, this was my experience, right? This was, I, I followed some Homestuck Tumblr's and I was keeping up with some fans over there, but primarily I used the thread to kind of focus uh, my attention on things, right? I used the thread uh, uh, in that way. And one thing that comes up in the thread this time, uh, for the first time, we're going to talk about a couple of these. I mean, probably not on the show because they're not all terribly important. Uh, but what shows up this time is a the first uh, live reaction blog to Homestuck. Mm-hmm. These become their own little subgenre of people who have not read Homestuck reading through Homestuck and posting their reactions. 
So that's the that's the simple one. That's the vanilla one. It is uh, part and parcel of a culture that continues today with like, you know, recording your reactions to new trailers to things and posting them on YouTube or like having, uh, you know, a, a special Twitter account that's dedicated to your read through of manga or something. But uh, the form that this takes with Homestuck uh, some of them are just like, here's one person who is trying to read Homestuck and kind of working their way through it. People start uh, getting into these reaction or like live read blogs uh, because Homestuck fans like to see other people trying to work through Homestuck and developing opinions on Homestuck. And uh, one that shows up in the thread that is very popular um, is one. Uh, it, it's a format that gets replicated. Uh you know, stop me if you've heard this one. It's actually two people running the blog. And one of them is a Homestuck fan already. And the other person is a new reader. And they uh, both take turns, like, working through the posts uh, and, and talking with each other and, like, posting their chat logs as, like, the, the new reader re reads something, responds to it, and then the, uh, you know, already confirmed fan, you know, uh, helps them along or explains things. Uh, and very often how this breaks down is that the person who's already a fan is already a fan, right? They're positive. The person who is the new reader is hostile and negative and doesn't like it, right? And uh, what people like watching is this dynamic of the person who likes it and the person who doesn't like it and how they play off of each other. Uh, the other thing that they really like, though, is that the person who doesn't like it very often starts to like it. Like they get to, uh, you know, say act four or something when descent happens and it really kicks in for them. Right. The plot happens. Um, and so like the discussion that happens in the something awful thread, because someone comes in, of course, because this is something awful and everyone has to like yell at each other all the time about everything. Someone's, uh, comes in and they're like, why are we talking about people talking about this comic? Why aren't we just talking about the comic? And people start saying like, I really like watching other people start to like Homestuck, right? I like watching, uh, that drift in attitude from someone who is, uh, you know, sort of performatively against it to someone who is bought in, uh, and this becomes a kind of narrative with a lot of these, uh, uh, like reaction or like live read blogs. Um, and this is fascinating to me. Um, because what no one says in the thread is that this is a thing that we have all already done that, uh, you know, we started in the something awful Homestuck thread, like three iterations back, um, being people who were like, you know, ah, ha ha, like sucks to the shippers, like laugh at them. Like, here's the stuff that's so stupid, blah, blah, blah. It's all a joke. Uh, and now we have like actual like relationship discussion that is happening in the thread. Now there's still kind of like some trollishness going on. And I'll talk about that in the next part episode, because uh, a lot of it orbits around, um, what's happening with kid bro here, but that's going to become clearer in the next part episode. Uh, but, uh, you know, there, there's something happening here with like the, the effective circuit of not liking something into liking something. And this is of course, something that the, the comic is constantly thematizing as well, right? This is car cat at the beginning of act five, act two, uh, watching John grow up being totally enraged and then falling in hate love. Um, this is also, you know, a, a rather, 
Ickily, uh, something latent in the Equius Aradia thing of like, uh, you know, I built you a body and put you into the body, but you actually kind of like it and you come to uh, like me anyway. Um, I'm not saying these things are like equivalent again. It's not like Homestuck is abusing the reader, but like this is this is a kind of like weird, effective wraparound uh, that Homestuck is clearly interested in and that the fandom is also interested in. Interesting. Yeah. I know. I, I just, I, I think that is uh, important for understanding maybe some of the reactions to us, because I think this does set a kind of precedent for like, it, it, it gives, it gives you a script, right? right? Two people are reading a thing. They're reading Homestuck together. One of them likes it and the other one doesn't like it. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, everyone likes it. And yet everyone likes it. Um. One other thing in the thread, prom stuck happens. People discuss prom stuck. And that's going to be our bonus episode for this month. Wahoo. Wahoo. Yeah. Uh, two weeks from from whenever you're hearing this, we should have a, a bonus episode where Cameron and I talk about prom stuck, uh, which is a fan adventure that uh, in the something awful thread people really like. And again, other people come in and they're like, why are we talking about fanfic? This sucks. Uh, but then also there are people who are like, I hate fanfic, but I started reading Prom Stuck, and now I think I really like Prom Stuck. <laughs> so, uh, Homestuck, it's a land of contrasts. Great. Mm-hmm. I love contrast. <laughs> I guess that, uh, that wraps things up for us, uh, unless you had any other, like, final details you wanted to mention or questions to ask. I think that's it. Okay, well, uh, that wraps it up for episode seven, part one. Then uh, next time, two weeks from today, you can rejoin us for episode seven, part two, where I am asking you to read through page uh, 4,585. <laughs>